Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thank you, everybody. Please have a seat. Welcome to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we are coming to you just hours after the January 6th committee shocked the world with a hearing that can only be described as Cuckoo, ooga, psh, ha, hachimachi. <laughs> and nobody, nobody saw this coming. They were scheduled to be in recess until the week of July 11th. They hauled everybody back in from vacation. Congressman Benny Thompson was still wearing his floaties. <laughs> so, why the urgency? The committee could not wait to share some hot new deets about what was going on in the White House on January 6th, courtesy of former Mark Meadows' top aide and future Oscar-winning role for Jennifer Lawrence, (laughs) Cassidy Hutchinson. Now, we've seen Hutchinson before in video testimony from last Thursday's hearings where she spilled the tea on the seditionist congressman who begged for pardons. Mr. Gates and Mr. Brooks... I know both advocated for there to be a blanket pardon for members involved in that meeting. Mr. Gomer asked for one as well. Mr. Harry asked for a pardon too. Mr. Biggs did. Wait, I thought Mr. Biggs died on that Peloton. (laughs) Somebody tell Carrie, these hearings are full of bombshells. (laughs) Now, today's surprise hearings did not disappoint. It was loaded with shocking eyewitness testimony about the behavior on January 6th of former President Fraudy Kruger. <laughs> Hutchinson, Hutchinson made it clear that everyone in the former president's inner circle knew that bad stuff was gonna go down on the 6th. I went back up to our office and I found Mr. Meadows in his office on the couch. He was scrolling through his phone. I remember leaning against the doorway and saying, I had an interesting conversation with Rudy, Mark. Sounds like we're going to go to the Capitol. He didn't look up from his phone and said something to the effect of, there's a lot going on, Cass, but I don't know. Things might get real, real bad on January 6th. So the president's chief of staff knew there could be terrible consequences and went ahead with it anyway? Huh? What? Yeah, oh, yeah, I think this rash might be an STD, but uh, I don't know. Let's put on some Marvin Gaye and just see where the evening takes us. The president really wanted to accompany his mob up to the Capitol, but White House lawyer Pat Cipollone really did not want that to happen for a damn good reason. I saw Mr. Cipollone right before I walked out onto West Exec that morning, and Mr. Cipollone said something to the effect of, please make sure we don't go up to the Capitol, Cassidy. Keep in touch with me. We're going to get charged with every crime imaginable if we make that movement happen. Every crime imaginable. We're talking treason, sedition, conspiracy, uh, 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 
obstructing a federal process, attempted murder, fish fondling, grand theft centaur, assault and peppery, ripping the tag off a mattress, and rebroadcasting a game without the express written consent of Major League Quidditch. <laughs> By the way, we also learned, according to Deputy Chief of Staff Tony Ornato, that what the last administration kept calling a peaceful crowd on January 6th was, in fact, armed to the teats. I remember Tony mentioning knives, guns in the form of pistols and rifles, um, bear spray, body armor, spears, and flagpoles. Tony had relayed to me something to the effect of, and these effing people are fastening spears onto the ends of flagpoles. They had spears on the end of flagpoles. Well, at least those flags will be able to defend themselves when the former president gropes them. <laughs> so, so, this mob showed up to his rally ready for violence, but because of the weapons, they were being stopped at the magnetic metal detectors, or mags. So his crowd wasn't in the ellipse. It, it, so the crowd there wasn't as big as it could be. And here's what Hutchinson heard the angry ex-prez have to say about that. I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. So, he was cool with his mob being armed because he knew he wasn't the one they wanted to attack. That's like hearing, hello, 911, state your emergency. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, all I know is I'm not the one being stabbed. This sounds like a you problem. <laughs> now, we've heard how the former president wanted to go with the marchers uh, along uh, to the Capitol for the attack, presumably to batter his way into the Senate chamber with a meatball sub. <laughs> but Hutchison told us today just how desperate he was to join his mob. After the Secret Service refused to let him walk to the Capitol and escorted him to his car, driven by the head of his detail, Bobby Engel, the President of the United States, did this. The President said something to the effect of, I'm the effing President, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, Sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. That is insane. <laughs> but it is going to make a great season premiere of Kleptocrats in Cars Seizing Power. <laughs> and... <laughs> True story. And he didn't give up. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. He went for the throat. When you get into the Secret Service, you know you have to take one for the president, but you never expect to take one from the president. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Let's keep this part secret. The limo wasn't the only place the president got violent. Hutchison talked about the day Bill Barr went on the record saying there wasn't any fraud in the election. I noticed that the door was propped open and the valet was inside the dining room changing the tablecloth off of the dining room table. He motioned for me to come in and then pointed towards the front of the room near the fireplace mantle and the TV where I first noticed 
There is ketchup dripping down the wall, and there's a shattered porcelain plate on the floor. The valet had articulated that the president was extremely angry at the attorney general's AP interview and had thrown his lunch against the wall. I mean, her description is so detailed, I think you could go in and find where that ketchup stain was. I mean, they should put that on the White House tour. Just have a little plaque on the wall that says, here the 45th president lost his lunch. <laughs> Apparently. Sure. <laughs> Apparently this was not an isolated incident. Was this the only instance that you are aware of where the president threw dishes? It's not. The greatest quote in the history <laughs> of congressional hearings. Evidently, the former president breaks a lot of dishes, which is why his handlers make sure his meals are served only in bucket or edible bowl. <laughs> and we learned this today. And here's more history. There were several times throughout my tenure with the chief of staff that I was aware of him either throwing dishes or flipping the tablecloth um, to let all the contents of the table go onto the floor and likely break or go everywhere. Okay, that sounds bad, but maybe he was just trying to do that magic trick where you grab the tablecloth and yank away democracy. <laughs> Back on. Uh, going back to January 6th uh, on Capitol Hill with the pokey flags and the violence and the meow, 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 it's all on TV at this point in her storytelling. And Hutchinson says that the White House lawyer, Pat Cipollone, charged down to their office to demand Mark Meadows tell the president to stop the attack. And I remember Pat saying to him something to the effect of, the rioters have gotten to the Capitol, Mark. We need to go down and see the president now. And Mark looked up at him and said, he doesn't want to do anything, Pat. And Pat said something to the effect of, and very clearly <laughs> had said this to Mark, something to the effect of, Mark, something needs to be done or people are going to die and the blood's going to be on your effing hands. That is damning testimony. In response today, Mark Meadows released this statement, no comment. <laughs> now, compare Mark Meadows' breathtaking cowardice to that of his assistant, testifying today, Cassie Hutchinson, age 25, who's testifying despite multiple threats of violence to tell the American people the truth. Well, she can add all this to her resume. Crisis management, excellent recall, <laughs> bigger balls than Mark Meadows. <laughs> now, you know, that maybe. You don't know. I don't know about that. Meadows may not have any balls, but he's got some nerve. Ms. Hutchison, did White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows ever indicate that he was interested in receiving a presidential pardon related to January 6th? Mr. Meadows did seek that pardon, yes, ma'am. The president's own chief of staff wanted a get-out-of-jail-free card, but he didn't get it, so hopefully soon he will not pass go, not collect $200, and go directly to jail. <laughs> also... Also, 
also, in comparison to Miss Hutchinson's courage, the committee played some footage of their interview with disgraced former National Security Advisor General Michael Flynn, who seemed disinclined to be forthcoming. General Flynn, do you believe the violence on January 6th was justified? I said I, I said Do you believe the violence on January 6th was justified morally? Take the fifth. You believe the violence on January 6th was justified legally? Fifth. General Flynn, do you believe in the peaceful transition of power in the United States of America? The fifth. You were a general in the United States Army. You swore an oath to uphold the Constitution, not deny its bedrock principles. How does Michael Flynn sing the national anthem? Oh, say can you fifth, 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 fifth. Everybody, what so proudly we fifth by the twilight's fifth, 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 whose broad stripes and Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest tonight is a congresswoman from New York's 14th district, representing parts of Bronx and Queens. Please welcome back to the Lake Show, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I think that means you should visit more often. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems that uh, way. It's been a while since we've had you here. Nice to, nice to see you again. Yes, yes. Nice in fact, uh, today is actually, we just realized, is the four-year anniversary since I was here the first time, the very first time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right after I won my primary. 
Not much has happened in the Not last four years. Okay, this auspicious time for you for you to be here. We didn't actually know the hearing was going to be today yeah. when you were originally agreed yeah. to come on the show. Uh, explosive hearings today. Did you have a chance to, uh, to watch the yes. hearings today? Yes, I did. What is your immediate, uh, if, I, if you don't mind me phrasing it the way, what's your immediate emotional takeaway from what you saw today? Because it was pretty stunning. Well, I mean, I, I think it, it was just stunning to understand and see the detail and the depth through which there was also just a conscientiousness of guilt. They knew that what they were doing was wrong. When at the very end of this hearing, you hear that Mark Meadows, the chief of staff to the president himself, asked for a pardon because he knew that he was breaking the law in order to seize power and undermine democracy in the United States of America. It is stunning. It, it is absolutely stunning. And that the president himself uh, was willing to choke his own secret service <laughs> in order to do so. Do you uh, know the detail about that that I like is that he goes to grab the wheel and this is how long it's been since he's driven himself anywhere. <laughs> He thinks you can drive from the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> he forgot about the pedals yes. and all that. Yes, yes. Well, let's get into that pardoning thing for just a second. Let's, let's a, little, a little bit backwards here, but we learned last week that many members of the uh, House of Representatives from the Republican side and uh, some members of the staff asked for pardons. As somebody who was there on January 6th, wh how, what is your reaction to finding out that there, there is this consciousness of guilt because legally if people may not know is that it's not just sort of a term of art to get a pardon it is an admission of guilt yes yes it is and i think there was also an awareness when all of this was going on um there was a feeling and a great sense that there were people on the inside and we learned last week um, that there was there were one if not more several members of congress who brought in some of these insurrectionists to essentially case the joint before coming in uh, the next day. And, um, and to work with people over the last year, to see them, to have to have sometimes them confront you, knowing uh, that they did what they did has been quite surreal, especially when they're not very intelligent. <laughs> Thank God. That's the saving grace of their malice, is how incompetent they are. Mm -hmm. Now, um, we, we also learned about, uh, as, as you said, there was, um, this was premeditated in that it was preconsidered that this would be a violent event. Yes. And the president did not care. Knowing that you can let the people with the weapons through the magnetometers, it doesn't matter to him because he knows that they're not angry with him, that they're going to use these weapons against members of Congress. Mm -hmm. Specifically, some of them were looking for you. Yes. That day. Yeah. Now, um, do you imagine that any of these people who are being named as these conspirators within the White House or even within the Congress, do you imagine there's going to be reasonable consequences for them? Do you imagine there's actually going to be any jail time here? Well, I will say, um, bare minimum, those who specifically sought pardons for themselves should be expelled from the United States House of Representatives yeah. without, a, without a shadow, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because um, specifically, because, because in asking. Yes, because if you are a duly elected official and in seeking a pardon, as you mentioned, you are consciously committing, you, you, you are admitting to committing a crime. Um, what that means is that they were willing to commit crimes in order to illegally seize power. And no person of any power 
uh, and of any seat, of any party, should be willing to do that in order to undermine our democracy. But that's just the bare minimum. I do believe that uh, many of these individuals need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law in order to establish and to prove to ourselves and to the world that there is rule of law in the United States of America. Now, uh, Representative Cheney today at the end is kind of like a very interesting little cherry on top of all of this, read into the record some um, testimony, without naming names, testimony of uh, witnesses they've already had that said that they received pressure from people within the former administration that a certain person was watching their testimony and knew that they were giving testimony and knew that they were, you know, you're a good guy, I know you're loyal, you'll do the right thing and you'll stand firm, which is witness tampering. It is. Even the attempt to do that is a federal crime. Mm-hmm. Um, I only like pointing that out just because it makes me happy to know that someone else might go to jail for their evil <laughs> deeds, but do it all, uh, does it sting at all to be grateful to Liz Cheney? You know... Because it... <laughs> It burns a little going down (laughs) for me. Because I am grateful, because this is how politics should be. You can disagree on any kind of policy, but in the end, you want there to be a United States. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um... And I... I I agree, and I do believe that what is so important is that we do lift that up, and that this is not uh, happening because an individual is a Democrat or an individual is a Republican. This is happening because we are U.S. citizens who believe in in the integrity of our country and the integrity of our laws. And there are some things that are more important than than politics, and some things should not be partisan. And uh, protecting our democracy should be something that every single one of us, no matter uh, the party, should be committed to. The former president is 100%. Evidently, the former president is really angry behind closed doors that um, Kevin McCarthy allowed this select committee to go forward without Mm -hmm. any of his Republicans on it. Liz Cheney's Mm -hmm. Republican and and Adam Kinzinger is a Republican, but they are people who voted to uh, impeach the former president. And um, the former president wants some of his people on there, you know, the people who uh, might throw a monkey wrench into it, to create a little chaos, to throw up some gorilla dust, to uh, to obfuscate what the truth is, I, I think he's right to be mad at mm-hmm. McCarthy because mm-hmm. for the last four years, they've only had one game, which is to hide the truth, and he gave up the only game that they've got. Doesn't that mean that he's so bad at politics he shouldn't be speaker even if they actually gain control of the House? Because yeah. that shows that he's just dumb. Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin McCarthy is in no way fit to even serve as just a member of the United States House of Representatives, let alone speaker of minority. <laughs> That is uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Yes. In fact, um, you know, several months ago, there was uh, a representative, Paul Gosar. He had, you know, shared this video um, circulating kind of a violent depiction of, of harming me. And Kevin McCarthy stood up in front of the House floor as um, Gosar was facing censure um, and defended him, defended incitement of violence even within the House floor. This is a person who is willing to either do anything himself or is willing to just bow down uh, when he feels like the insurrectionist caucus within 
uh, his party wants to do something. And that is not someone that is fit to lead in any way, shape, or form. I, um... <laughs> that makes sense to me. I, uh, I, I have, I have a, a dear friend who has known uh, McCarthy for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he has said to me in the past, like, he's a good guy, you'd like him. Would I? Um, I don't think that he uh, has enough going on up here for you to... Okay. I might get a little bored. Yeah, I think you'll get a little bored. Yeah, it'll be a fun first date, but after that, I wouldn't know where to go. Okay. Well, we have to take a break, but when we come back, I will ask the Congresswoman what actions she would like to see Congress take in the wake of the Supreme Court overturning Roe. Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney, the voice of Korra on The Legend of Korra. And me, Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko on The Last Airbender and General Iroh on The Legend of Korra. Each week, we'll recap and discuss another episode of The Last Airbender. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but... Amazing guests stop by from creators to cast to super fans to chat all things Avatarverse. Are we saying that this is possible in the Avatar universe? Varney, we got to spread the word. Now fans can also check out our weekly video pods too by subscribing to the official Avatar YouTube channel. That's a lot of fire, isn't it? That's right. We're on video this season, everybody. So whether you're a super fan with encyclopedic knowledge or you're brand new to this incredible world, it's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Brave the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we're back here with Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm going to talk about the, well, kind of the uh, distressing news coming out of the Supreme Court. Yes. For the just the last week alone has been insane. I remember we were covering the hearings for on Thursday night. We were talking about it here. And I went, oh, my God, there's so much to talk about in the hearings. We don't have a chance to talk about the fact that the Supreme Court has thrown out a 109-year-old New York uh, gun law mm -hmm. that has stood among Democratic administrations, Republican administrations, but they've tossed it out and are ready, ready to turn the city into a shooting gallery. Mm -hmm. We haven't even haven't talked about that. Today, we haven't even talked about the fact that yesterday they brought prayer back into the schools. The fact that last week they said if a, if a county or city does not Mirandize you, you can't sue them about it. And of course, on Friday, they overturned both Casey and Roe v. Wade. What is your reaction to what you're hearing from the Supreme Court? Well, I think one of the things that we're seeing here is the Supreme Court is actively delegitimizing itself. And, in, and what we have... When, when you mean delegitimize, and I, I want to hear the rest of the answer, but yeah. I hear that word delegitimize, and certainly in Casey, they actually were worried that they would lose legitimacy in the court, they'd do irreparable damage to the court. Yes. What do you mean when you say delegitimize? So what that means is that the Supreme Court has a power. But its power is in whether its rulings are heeded and respected, and if so, how much and to what extent. And when we have the framing of, you know, the, the framing of our government, the presidency, Congress, the president, Congress, and the Supreme Court are supposed to be three co-equal branches, co-equal, none with supremacy over the other. And when any one of those branches overreaches its authority, it is the responsibility of the other two to check the overreach 
of, of, that, of that authority. The Supreme Court has engaged in the overreaching of its authority in denying the human and civil rights of any pregnant person or person that could become pregnant in the United States of America. They have engaged in overreach, and it is the responsibility of the president and Congress to put the Supreme Court in check because they have delegitimized themselves. What, what actions, you know, do you, would you like to see from your fellow lawmakers? Because the court's response to that might be, Alito specifically says, we turn this to the, the elected representatives of the people. Mm -hmm. um, that where they, he believes that that's where le legitimacy, at least the, the, the issues of, of Roe, of, of abortion, should be returned to the people. What action would you like to see the Congress take? Well, I think uh, history really informs a lot, um, and it gives us lessons here, because this is not the first time that this has happened. Uh, in the 1800s, the Supreme Court was taken over uh, by the Confederate South and was starting to rule in ways that limited Abraham Lincoln, for example. In, in the Dred Scott ruling, they ruled that black Americans are not and can never be full citizens of the United States. And what did Abraham Lincoln do? He signed the Emancipation Proclamation. He ignored a, the gross overreach and abuse of power. During uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's uh, attempt to, to restore the country during the Great Depression uh, with the Green New Deal, I mean, not the Green New Deal, the New Deal, the New Deal. Um, anyways, with the New Deal, um, what we saw was an overreach um, from the Supreme Court attempting to, to prevent us from passing these laws. And Franklin Delano Roosevelt threatened to expand the court. And in his adoption of that position, despite the fact that Congress didn't do it at that time, although Lincoln did, um, the, the fear of the court's power being minimized caused them to back off their overreach and abuse of power. I believe that President Biden should entertain expansion of the Supreme Court. I believe that... I believe that he should forcefully come out in ending the filibuster of the United States Senate. I believe that he should call on Congress to repeal the Hyde Amendment. And I also believe that Congress, we have the, poss we have, uh, the possibility when we are strengthened by the repeal of the filibuster or even the change to, to a talking filibuster or a standing filibuster, in doing so, we can codify Roe, we can codify, and all of the other cases that the Supreme Court indicated that they would threaten. We can codify same-sex marriage, we can codify the right to contraception, we can codify interracial marriage, we can do it. But we can only do it. We can only do it if we're not fighting with one hand tied behind our, ba our back, let alone two. And so I think that right now, we just need a fight. We need a fight. And we need to show and demonstrate to the American people that then when they vote to give Democrats power, we will use it to the fullest extent possible to defend everybody's civil, economic, and human rights. Yeah. Because certainly, because certainly the Republicans use it to the fullest extent of their power yeah. at all times. Yeah. Well, we have to take a quick break. Uh, but we're right back with more. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, everybody. <laughs> Thank you.
Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game. Headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wild Card wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a couple of quick things before we go. A couple of quick things before we go. Uh, you know, there's some speculation as to whether President Biden is going to run in 2024. Mm-hmm. There's, some, there's some reports that he's a little frustrated that people keep asking because he keeps on saying yes. Mm-hmm. And people go, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> um, you know, uh, I know somebody who's going to turn 35 uh, about a month before the election in 2024. <laughs> And uh, they represent New York's 14th. Uh, is, is that job appealing to you at all? Um, I think that... Theoretically. Uh, listen, I think that we need to focus on keeping a democracy mm-hmm. for anybody to be president in, in the next couple of years. And that's my central focus, is helping the people of this country. Right so now. it's possible. So it's possible. I don't know about that. Well, I don't know about that. I'm just here to get you in trouble. <laughs> exactly. You're getting that's me in trouble. That's my job, to get you in trouble. I don't know about Okay, before we go, uh, first of all, uh, best wishes. I understand that you just got engaged. I That's one of wonderful news. Thank you. That's nice. How are the, how are the plans going? Uh, you know, it's a little tough right now to plan something sure. with all this going on. And but supply chain issues, yes, obviously. Yes, supply chain exactly. issues. Exactly. Can't get baby breath this time of year. <laughs> but, um, but we're really excited and... Um, We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out along the way. It's, it's going to be very interesting planning a wedding while serving in Congress, but I'm sure others have done it before, and <laughs> we'll do it in the future. Best of luck. Thank you. Thank you Thank so much you for so being much. here. Lovely to see you. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, Five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.